0: Come on, let's praise Him. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Jesus. We just thank You, Lord, and pray that our hearts be open for Your Word today. Pray that all of our hearts would be like good soil for the seed of Your Word. In the mighty Name of Jesus, Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, Your heart looks good today. And turn to the other person and explain why you excluded them. <laughs> why you didn't choose them. That's terrible. Alright, grab a seat. How are you this morning? For all of you who don't know, my name is Darren. If you want to be official, but if you'd like to be my friend, call me Dazza. All right? Dazza is what I grew up with. Aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone called me that. So Dazza is fine. And for those who work in my office they would know me as DG now, but um, that's an inside joke that only a few handful know, and you can't know, but that's okay. So uh, how are you today? I'm, I feel like I'm just interrupting the whole thing. That was just amazing this morning. I mean, we've already had an altar call. We don't need to even, you know, we just go straight out for tea and coffee, right? Um, so just brilliant. What a, what a morning. Thank you, Jesus. So... Um, so I, I felt like I'd just come in and interrupt it just for a few minutes, and uh, and I'm going to share uh, something that's been on my heart for many months. And the reason why is because I called uh, both Ben and Tim uh, during the week. Uh, isn't 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 Ben's moustache just glorious? <laughs> I mean, I've been looking around and I've noticed a couple other men out there with um, moustaches as well. And uh, is it is it because it's November, the Mo November? Is that Why not? You're not even doing it for that. Okay. All right. You know, so, um, but, um, you know, they're very shocking. I mean, no, great. I I love moustaches, no. Um, But, um, you know, uh, I rung them because the thing is I said, oh, you know, like uh, I, I have had this word prepared for months because I was meant to speak a few months ago, but I had to switch some things around and we just couldn't fit it back in. And so um, a, a few other churches have heard this message too, because this is something that's been on my heart. So finally my home church is getting it. So I hope that it's well polished and refined. And so it's going to start off like this. Is Why do cows have hooves? Because they lack toes. You want more, don't you? (laughs) I tried to catch the fog the other day. I missed. It's getting worse. Someone complimented me on my parking the other day by leaving a note on my window. They said, parking fine. (laughs) Is that one all right? No, there's, oh no, please stop. Did you hear about the cheese factory that exploded over in France? There was debris everywhere. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> right, I've got heaps more. Anyway, no, no, let's get on to the uh, real stuff. <laughs> You're all going, man, that's crazy. I want to ask a question. How come guys can't come and make gingerbread houses? Can I put in a formal protest? Where is she? She's already left. Amy, past Amy, where are you? Unbelievable. You know, like I know, I know that there are some crazy Christmas guys out there and they would love to make gingerbread houses, right? So, you know, just terrible. Maybe we should have our own next year, Pastor Ben. Maybe the boys should have it. We'll have Harley Davison's out the front, you know, and, you know, a tank. Why is there a tank there? I don't know, but it's a guy thing. It's going to be awesome. This morning, I want to speak to you about the four friends of a miracle. Four friends of a miracle. And, uh, And I don't believe that, there's been a coincidence in the delay of me speaking this message of what I've already seen this morning. I was standing there just going, wow, God, wow, 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 wow. Um, So let's just see where God takes this, shall we? So in Mark 2, verse 1 to 5, so if you've got your little smartphones or uh, if you've got paper versions, I don't even hear pages moving now. So it must be 2023. All right, so... um, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. And uh, and so this is what the Bible says. This is how the story goes. When Jesus returned to C- C- Capernaum, several days later, news spread quickly that he was back home. Now, there's a big reason why, because obviously he's out and about. Things are happening. People are getting healed. Demons are getting struck out. The whole lot, right? So it's all happening. And Jesus is back and, um, and people are obviously talking. So soon... The house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Are we using the same? Is it the same one? Oh, yeah, good. Okay, just making sure. Um, Because it'd be really silly if I'm reading this version and there's another one up there. Wouldn't that be just crazy? Anyway, you guys can multitask. I can't do that. All right. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men. Everyone say four four men. All right. We'll say... Four friends, say four friends. Four friends, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. They then, sorry, then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, everyone say their faith. Right? Not his faith, their faith. Important point. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Now you, right? So this is not his faith. He saw their faith, but he says to the man, the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. And the Bible goes on to say that he literally picks up his mat and, uh, you know, is completely healed. What an amazing story. You know, we still hear of great miracles like this. Um, even in today, you know, like these days. We, see, we hear them all the time, you know. Um, um, you might notice that you're going, Darren, you're talking about miracles, but I can see your bandaged fingers. Well, you know, like sometimes, you know, things happen to us to teach us lessons, right? So if God healed me straight away, then where's the lesson in it? Let me tell you what I should have learned. I'm a 48-year-old man. I should not have been playing basketball against five 13-year-olds. <laughs> if God had healed me straight away, What would I be doing next weekend? I'd be going out yet again. You know, I've never had my finger actually point that way, right? The top of my finger was just going that way. And uh, did I stop playing? No, I didn't. (laughs) Did I complain? Maybe for a second. But all I did was put it behind my back because I'm a real wuss, right? I can't, I don't even, I go, does anyone else start to lose like, you know, like consciousness when they see a needle? Like just a needle does it to me. I'm like, you know, and the nurse usually says, you want to sit down? Yes, I do. I want to sit down. Um, You know, but my finger I knew was already pointing out. You know when you see a footballer with the fingers pointing out the wrong way? I knew it had happened. I heard it and it was pointing. And so I put it behind me and I thought, I can't even look at this. Because I think think it was Caleb, my son, I think someone said, did you take a picture? I'm like, as if I can take a picture of that, man. I would have just gone, whoop down on the ground um, so I put it behind me and just kind of cracked it back into place and when I felt the crack I went yeah that's okay I'm okay now all right guys I'm gonna ref now I'm gonna ref I just kept it behind me took my wedding ring off because I didn't want it to uh, as it's gone all fat and you know things like that but anyway um, reality is God still performs amazing miracles throughout the world um, I, I hear about it all the time. I've had friends who have been healed instantly. I remember you know, many times as a young boy um, and growing up in my faith and just how God would just heal me miraculously and just things. It's just amazing. Can we understand them all? No, we can't. But the thing is, is that right here, right now, we're, we're reading a story that's been around for thousands of years. And here it is, it's been depicted, is that because of the faith of four friends... A man was healed. Not even his faith was the I mean, obviously it would have taken a fair bit of faith to to say, yeah man, you can you can lower me down through a, you know through a roof. Do you know what they look like these homes? They're not like today's. Where's, I saw Adrian before there. you are over there. I was hoping you were here when I was um, you know thinking about this this morning because he's a builder, right? So how much would it cost to repair? A big hole, just a just a ballpark figure, right? Like, so a big man-sized hole, so we could, you know, if that was to happen right here, right now, if there's some people outside that really wanted to get their friend in, but for some reason, you know, couldn't get past our security at the door. Um, now, hosts, I mean, um, but, um, you know, how much would it cost? Just ballpark, seven grand, seven grand right? So, back in these days. These people did not have nice tin roofs and tiles and things like that. What were they made of? Well, this is what historians have um, come up with, archaeologists, is most of the roofs were flat. And they're made from beams anchored in the wall. So you had these, you know, like uh, we have them rafters. Is that what we call them, Adrian? Oh, gee, look at that. How good am I? All right, I've done a little bit of hardware work. All right, so a uh, handyman. Um, but they had these these beams going through from one side to the other. And it's just flat. A, a skillion roof. Is that correct? Oh, I'm correct. All right. Um, no, nah, it's in my notes. No, no. Okay, so no, I don't know this stuff. Trust me. All right, so the roof builders would lay... Um, Heath, I don't even know what that is, reeds, I know what that is, palm leaves over some planks and they would cover the whole thing with clay using small stone rollers to press it down and in in some places they actually used um, dung, cow dung to bind this material, right? And so that's what they're digging through. Can you imagine how happy you would be to be the owner of this home? That Jesus is in your house. The whole city's talking about him. The whole town's talking him. The whole area's talking about him. And while he's speaking, you see a bit of dust fall down. You think, oh my goodness, I might have to get the uh, roofers back in. And then all of a sudden you see another bit of dust. And then another bit of dust until finally it all just goes starts falling and there's there's this daylight. Oh, I didn't order a sun sunlight sunroof. What's going on? You know, but um, that's what it. I mean, we're talking. There's money that was needed to repair this just so this guy could have a miracle. This is what's happening. But Jesus, the Bible says, you know, ignored all of those things and literally saw the faith of the four friends. So this morning. I want to talk to you about the four friends of a miracle. Number one, friend number one is be available. You know, for us to have miracles in our lives and in the lives of people around us, you need to be firstly and foremostly available. If you are not available, you are not in the right place at the right time, you're not not available, then I'm telling you, friend, those miracles are never going to find you. You need to be available. How do I be available, Darren? Let's be let's be practical, right? I believe that we can, at the very minimum, share our faith through not just our words, but also our actions, right? So we can we can start with just being a Christian. You know, one of the things that really annoys me is when I meet people and they say they're Christians, but what comes out of their mouth and their actions don't reflect those things now. It's more like a big brother upset, right? So I'm not like a judge. It's more like a big brother upset. Like I feel like I just want to take my little brother outside. I just want to slap him up the head and say, dude, what are you doing? You're making us all look like idiots, right? So this is for me one of the things that I say that as a a believer, the first thing we can do is just be a Christian. What is that? Man, we are not meant to... Walk like those that don't know Jesus. We're not meant to talk like those that don't know Jesus. We are not meant to be the same. Yeah, we might go to the similar shops. We might, you know, put on the similar clothes. But the reality is we are not meant to be the same. We don't talk like them. We don't live like them. You know, it's just, it's just, it's funny how, you know, sometimes I have friends and family, they'll complain to me about their lack of money. But then I'll just ask little questions. And, and this is where I kind of lose my faith a little bit sometimes. is I ask questions because they know where I'm taking them. Because it's like, uh, oh, so when you went down to the club on the weekend, did you, did you try some in the pokies? Oh, yeah, yeah, always do that. I'm like, okay, well, that's why you have less money. You're giving it to some guy, some person on the back. And those machines are made to take your money. And I'm like, I don't understand how you don't get this, you know. Oh, I get into the trotters. I get into the races. I get, you know, I'm like, well, I don't do that. That's, I'm already ahead of you. Because I mean, you know, the reality is, is that I'm not like you. So we can do that very easily, right? We just got to live our faith. Hebrews 13 verse 16 says, And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So there's another thing you can do. You can give. You know, I just love seeing the bemused look of people when they say, you actually give, you know, like they, they, no, what they do try to do is they, and have you ever had this? They try to say that the church is trying to take your money. I'm like, no, 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 that's not actually correct. I actually want to give my money to the church. And they're like, Whoa. You know, they don't get that stuff, you know. And and that's where we can be different. So when we do our tithes, when we do our offerings, you know, is being generous. You know, uh, we should be looking for those that are in need and say, you know what, I wanna I wanna help that person. I want to do it with no no merit, no reward. Don't forget to do good. You know, I've got a whole message on on just the first century church because, you know, they talk about why did the church grow so fast? And it was because of not just acts of kindness, but because they were just so different. John 13, verse 34 to 35 in the message says it like this. Let me give you a new command. This is Jesus. He says, love one another, as Pastor Ben said earlier. Come on, let's, let's show people how we love one another. Love one another in the same way I loved you, that you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, my followers, when they see the love you have for each other. You know, what's love? You know, a bit of a side note here. What's love? Love is not just always, you know, just always being friends, always being happy. Sometimes love is like that big brother, big sister thing where you've got to go and correct someone. Say, listen, man, come on, you can lift your game in this area. You know, uh, it, that's what love is. Because despite our failings, we still will love each other. That's what he's talking about, is that despite all the failings, even the good times, the bad times, you just love. Love people, love the believers, love the church. We can be available for Jesus to use um, us anywhere, anytime. It's not a question of time or place, but of the heart. You've got to be in the right place in your heart. I want to tell you, friends, that if you feel like, you know, that you're weak right now, your your faith is weak. I want to tell you that you're actually in a great place too. Because it's where you're weak. That's where God can make you strong. He can bring His power. And that's where we've got to just come to this point where it's in our heart that, you know, I don't want what's in my heart to stop what God wants to do through me. I want to be open to it and available all the time. Friend number two, never stop, never give up. In Galatians 6 verse 9 to 10. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Is that what it says up there? Or is that different? Only the people we like. Um, no, it says everyone. We should, give, we should do good to to everyone, even the neighbour, that's a pain in the neck here. And man, I've got a couple of those, right? I just, you know, every time just look at them and just go, oh, just go smile at them, hey man. But, uh, you know, honestly just, oh, and what about the neighbour with the barking dog? You got one of those? Oh my goodness. Everyone else on the streets can't shut that dog up. But not us. I'm up there spraying it with water. No, I would never do that. I would never do that. I've thought about it, but that's what Jesus says, hey, because you've thought it. Oh man, I'm in trouble. Anyway, but uh, you know, we should never ever get tired of doing good, especially to those in the family of faith. Did you did you see that? Have you ever read that? So if you're gonna be nice to anyone, you should be nice to the people you're sitting next to in church. Did you see that? You're like, that's favoritism. Well, that's what that's what the Galatians says is for you to especially be nice and do good things for those in the family of faith. Make quitting not an option. For you and your faith and the things that God's put on your heart, you feel that this is you know, what God has promised you, friend, make quitting not an option. Make quitting. You know, I guess in your life, that decision to say, I can go through the hard times, I can go through the good times, but I ain't going to ever give up. Most of the time, here's what's crazy. Most of the time, our breakthrough, the very thing we're believing for is on the other side of the quitting moment, right? And so you just go, well, I'm going to remove quitting. I'm just going to remove that from my, my life, my choices. I'm just going to keep doing what God has called me to do, what He's promised me to do, I'm going to keep going for it. You know, Thomas Edison, the guy that made all the uh, electrical light bulbs, he says the most certain way to exceed is to try just one more time. Just keep going. Don't give up. Friend number three, find Jesus and stay where Jesus is. So what was friend number one? Friend number one is be available. Friend number two, never stop, never give up. Friend number three is find Jesus and stay where Jesus is. In John 15 verse five, Jesus says, "I Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. For those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, without Jesus, we can do nothing. You know, um, I shared um, uh, a bit of a praise report to uh, Ben and Tim. Apparently, they were going down to work together down in the northern beaches. I I reckon they were going to the beach. Um, But anyway, they're under this, you know, I think their wives need to think that they were doing that. No, 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 no. And, uh, and I got a chance to quickly share uh, a testimony with them. Because, you know, for those who don't know, uh, my wife and I, we run uh, an amazing ministry called Your Dream School Programs. Um, she's not able to be here today because Belinda, my mom, and one of my daughters have gone to some craft thing. I mean, what sinners, hey? <laughs> we're here at church. We're the faithful. And they're just off gallivanting around with stitchery and wool and anyway whatever I'm not begrudged over this you know so that's all right no of course I wanted to be there sure um no but my wife and I we run this ministry we started it 20 years ago so 20 years ago we started your dream and um when it started we were it was just me it was a one-man show I just literally would go into schools all over Australia wherever there was an opportunity one year we did I think about 150 four, 153 schools in one year, and it was assembly style. But it's always got a limit, right? Because that's as much as I can do. I mean, 150, I was pretty impressed with, but I, boy, I was exhausted by the end of that year. And um, And then all of a sudden, this moment happened. You have these times in your life where you just know that God's fingerprints are on moments. It's all about finding where Jesus is and staying there right? Don't, don't leave, don't move, don't do something else. Don't listen to the other whispers. Don't listen to the other things. You just stick to it and stay there, right? I remember that um, I got summons to the department, sorry, the um, federal education minister at that time to his office. And um, they basically said, look, can you come and tell us? We've heard about you. We just want to know what you're doing. If you're ever down in Canberra, ACT. And I said, well, actually I am. I'm doing some schools. And they said, well, why don't you just swing by and have a look? Like, let's have a talk. And so at that conversation, they they said to me, after they heard about what we were doing, and obviously they'd been told about us, is that they said to us, and I felt very humbled by this moment. Some people might have felt pretty pumped, but I was like, I was scared. Like, why do they want to see me, right? I'm a bit of a half glass empty guy sometimes, you know. I kind of just go, oh man, what do they want? Um, but basically they said, look, you know, there's this thing at the time, John Howard, our, our former Prime Minister, um, said, that he was going to start this new funding, and it was called school chaplaincy. And he said, "There's a there's a pilot of it. Would you like to participate?" He says, "We've looked at your, you know, your organisation. It would fit into this nicely." And I remember that at the time there was no guidelines, no qualifications, nothing. It was just this crazy amount of funding, and you could just anyone could do it. Um, and uh, and so I declined because I thought too risky, and I, I'm already too busy doing schools. Well, two years later, the pilot had finished and then they called me again and they said, listen, the pilot was successful. We've got some guidelines. This is the, you know, have a read. Uh, we'd like you to, to participate. I mean, how often do you need the government to be calling you till a stupid brain like me realises, wait a minute, God's trying to tell me something. And so at that time, I saw the guidelines, saw them in the coffee, saw all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, all the stuff that makes you go to sleep at night when you read these guide guidelines. And um, and I said to him, all right, we'll give it a go. Um, and so now we're almost at, a, I think, about 250 schools across five states. And just the other day, I was sitting in my office. Now, this is all about finding Jesus and staying where he is. And I want to spend a bit of time on this because this is where I think one of the most critical things where people miss what God wants to do, the miracle in your life. Because you're fluttering around too much and you're going here, you're going there, I'm going to now change this and change that. You know what, friend? You just sometimes just got to find where Jesus is and you just got to find where he wants you to be and you just stay no matter what, right? Right? Someone can come and say, thus saith the Lord. You go, no, I'm already listening to the Lord because I'm at His feet. I'm not leaving. This is this is the place He wants me. And and this is where I just know that God blesses that. It brings favour on that. So the other day I was in my office, and um, which is rare. If anyone works for me, they know it's rare because Darren... Usually, last I think Isabel reckons I last about an hour and a half, two hours, and then I'm usually going, yeah, I got something to do, and they're like, oh, he's already going. There he is, and uh, and I do. I just I can't handle it, man. It's just crazy. I don't know how you sit in an office anyway, um, and so. I, I'm I'm there, I happen to be in my office and this phone call, I'm on a phone call with my accounts manager and I'm sort of like, kind of dealing with something. And then all of a sudden one of my other accounts person comes in and knocks on the door and they stand at the door. Now every staff member knows you don't do that to Darren because that annoys me, right? Not only does it annoy me, is I'm a guy, right? I can't multitask. So now I'm fumbling through my conversation because I'm just looking at this person standing at the door, and I just can't do it. Does anyone get distracted? Like maybe it's just ADD, right? You know, everyone's going, "Yeah, that's it, undiagnosed." Um, so I, um, I'm like, you know, finally I just go, "Wait a minute, just wait." I said, "What are you standing there for?" You know, and she goes, "The Department of Education is on the phone for you." I'm like, "So what? What what state?" And she goes, "West Australia." I'm not even in West Australia. And I went to the accounts and said, I'll have to call you back. And so yet again, another government has rung us up and said, we've heard about you and we want you to be in our state. I've got Tasmania. I mean, is that even part of Australia? Uh, I've got Tasmania. They rung me up. uh, Oh, Sorry, they sent me an email. They remembered an email from me four years ago and they've Rung emailed me back to say, are you still interested because we're interested in you in our state? And I'm like, I'm saying to my team, I'm going, guys, girls, you just can't believe the favour, the miracle that's been unlocked. And I'm telling you, it's for one of these major points is you find what Jesus wants you to do. You you know, too often we've left what God told us to do and we're off here thinking this is the right thing. I say to people, go back to that moment where you felt the favour, you felt the blessing on your life. You go back to that moment and you sit there and you wait. You sit there and wait. You don't leave. Those friends knew that what they had to do is firstly be available. Number two, they had to never give up. They were like, man, we can't even get in the door. We're not walking away. Let's take him back. It's not going to happen today, champion. You know, no. They said, "Well, let's get on the roof. Let's make a hole. Let's get him in front of Jesus." And then the, sec- the third friend, well, you know, well, let's find him. Let's stay there until we get what we've come for. And the fourth, and the final friend, and I'll get the uh, I'll get the keys to come up because what I want us to do is, that, you know, that that I think it was the second song of today, and we kept doing that little tag. Um, I want us to. I just feel like God hasn't finished. Is that okay? I promise we won't go, you know, two over time, probably about two or three hours, but it's okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look at you guys. You're like, i got things to do, man. Yeah. Um, so friend number four, and this is a big one, because I think as believers, we still mess up on this level, on, on, this, on this friend, this, this one point, is that we've got to learn every day, continue, to walk in freedom. Friend number four is walk in freedom. You know, for many, I just feel the Holy Spirit saying now that for many of us, that's easy to say and it's harder to believe. You know, as a believer, so, okay, let me give you some 101 Christianity, right? You have declared Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Right, so you you have you have done that, right? So if you have said ever in your life a prayer that has said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I've messed up, I can't get to heaven without you. Things like that. I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, paying the price of my sin. And you've said, Amen. The Bible says that you are saved. That's what it says, Romans wrote. Romans 3.23, 6.23, 5, 8, and 10, 13. Easy to remember. If you can remember that and you you know that, I am saved. Right. That means that you're a Christian. That means that the fruit of my life should have started to change. Yeah? Different sermon, we'll deal with another time. Big Brother Dazza will talk to you about that another time. Right? The fruit of your life, the Bible talks about your fruit. No one's here to judge each other, but your fruit should have changed. Okay? I feel like God just wanted someone to remember that, right? But here's the thing. You've got to walk in the freedom. You might still mess up. We might still have human tendencies because, hey, guess what? We're still human. I still mess up. Ask my kids. They'll tell you. They keep you here all day. I could keep you here all week with the guilt and shame that I feel. But this is the thing. I've got to keep reminding myself. I've got to walk in freedom. That means it's a doing consistent thing. I'm not gonna just accomplish, accomplish this one day and then not have to worry about it tomorrow. I need to walk in the freedom. Galatians 5 verse one in the Passion Translation. This is what it said. This is Paul talking to the Galatian church who is struggling with these things. I don't have time to get into the Galatian, or in Galatia? the actual city, but the stuff that they were going through and the things that they were doing and the thing that was normal in there, in their city. But here is Paul saying, at last we have freedom. At last. Come on, we don't have to kill a lamb. We don't have to go buy a pigeon. We don't have to do nothing. All you've got to do is confess with your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And Paul says, at last, we're free. He says, Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse, refuse. Every time the devil comes back into your head and he says, man, I'm gonna remind you of your past. Let me tell you, Christian. Let me tell you, friend. Let me tell you, brother. Let me tell you, sister. If the devil reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. It's in Revelation. If you haven't read it yet, go have a read of it. Read it aloud so the devil can hear it. Go, man, I'm gonna bruise my heel on your head too. I'm gonna be there when you're defeated and thrown into the pits of hell because I'm not gonna go that way. I am free. And the Bible says that for us to firmly refuse, I refuse to be bound by that sin. I refuse to be bound by that guilt or shame anymore. It's amazing how God can take the things that are shameful in our life. And if we allow Him and we lay it at His feet and surrender it to Him, He can turn those things of shame, those scars of shame, and He can turn it into your testimony. He can make the very thing that the enemy thought was a plan to destroy you. He can make that very thing the plan to bring faith, to bring healing, to bring miracles into other people's lives. Those very scars that you carry and that you're so ashamed of. Friend, I wanna tell you that God can use those things. You just gotta walk in the freedom. At last, we are free, free from sin, free from the bondage of shame and sin. It's gone. I believe that if we walk with these friends in our life, if we're with those friends, we surround ourselves with these types of friends. I believe that we can see the miracles in our life. Because Jesus Himself, that first scripture, He says, after seeing the faith of His friends, these men, He then healed the paralyzed man today what are you allowing to influence your walk in Christ are you being available or are you still got a bit of a guarded you know like arms length just not really available been hurt in the past friend i want to tell you jesus wants to heal that this morning have you given up have you somewhere along the line thought nah That's never going to happen. Do you know where Jesus wants you? And are you walking in that freedom? You know, this morning, I really pray that this is a healing moment for every believer that says, I still believe for that miracle. I still believe for the things that... Of, from my youth, when God would speak to me and I'd hear His voice and I thought this is where I'd end up, but that's not where I am. I believe that God can bring that healing this morning. Amen. Thank you, Father. Why don't we just close our eyes just for one moment. I'm going to pray for everybody. God, I just thank you for my church. Thank you for my family here today. And I pray, God, that your message, your word, the seed that was sown this morning, I pray it would grow in their hearts, that they would go from this place encouraged and believing that there is more of you for them, more of your destiny, more of your future for every single one of them. And I pray, Father, that today... We could truly believe that we can leave this place changed, challenged, but changed. And God, I pray that we go from here with practical steps, things that we can do. You know, as your eyes are closed and heads are bowed right now, I just um, know that there are believers in this place and there are faces that you're seeing now. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a text Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's a cup of coffee. Maybe it's just a letter. I don't know. But you know, don't ignore those faces that you're seeing right now because maybe God wants you to be the miracle for that person. And I know that as we unlock the miracle in other people's lives, I just know that that is where the favour and the blessing starts to pour out on your life and you unlock the miracle's for your life by using your faith to bless others thank you Father just thank you Lord can we sing that little tag again is that cool Come on, let's stand. Why don't you just lift your hands or hold them out front. And let's sing this song. Let's make it our prayer. That nothing else...